Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Netflix and Swill Studios for the show today. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, this is Caleb. And I am searching for a crystal skull. Uh, ask Dan Aykroyd. How are you, friend? Oh, I get that. And I was like, wait a minute, what? Oh, now I understand. Crystal skull vodka, everybody, in case you didn't get it. Uh, I'm fine. Another week of quarantine. Over and done with. It's a great time to be alive. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I had a nice, relaxing day because I was a very busy business boy all week. Sure, sure. Makes sense. Um, yeah, end of the month and uh, scrambling to get everything done. and uh, It was good. It's, it was a good hustle. And uh, we did really well this month, so there you go. I'm going to get uh, a big bonus check this month. I'm real proud of you. Proud of myself. It was... Uh, Man, you're getting that. You're getting your your uh, Trump bucks. Last year yep. for the Cure is setting up for them uh, pretty nicely right now. <laughs> well, we... Uh, let's see... Because the store was at at one point due to COVID nineteen, uh, like in the middle of the month, we were down fifteen thousand dollars from what our uh, projected sales were supposed to be for mm-hmm. the month. And then, like the last two weeks, we just were fucking slammed all the time, and uh, ended up being we were down. We were in the negative every day until the last day of our quota period. And we jumped up to nine hundred and forty-five dollars over what we were projected at. So there you go. That's all the the rednecks because no one wants to listen to stay-at-home orders if you're rednecks. Um, also because in Pennsylvania, um, the contractors just got cleared to go back to work, so everybody's oh, it's like all hands on deck. Everybody's scrambling to get shit done. I hear Clarion County got moved to uh, code yellow. For, for COVID nineteen. Yes, they did. So there, there you go. Wait, are you Clarion County? You have to be, or Venango. Uh, Venango, where I live. Oh, did did Venango get moved to Code Yellow? I think so. Hmm. Maybe. Things are looking up for you now. Things are going to start happening to me now. What about you? Are you uh? What are you like, orange or mauve threat level? I don't know. I don't know. I'm threat level midnight. I don't know. <laughs> I I I don't pay attention to this. Like the North Carolina governor Michael Scarn. <laughs> we we can only hope for such things. 
I don't know. I don't pay attention to anything that happens around here. It's too depressing, and the internet makes me angry every day because I yeah. think I think people blow stories out of proportion in the first place, and then eh. uh... I don't know. It was really weird. Like I don't I don't actively seek out the news, but I also just like for the last three weeks have heard no fucking updates about what's happening with COVID nineteen. Oh yeah, all well. The number one thing on Reddit still, for some reason in the coronavirus subreddit, is to continually blame Donald Trump for his mishandlings. And it's like, we get it. We understand that he fucked this up. Like, we we all got it. We all knew that at the time. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. But stop saying it. Like, yeah. there was there's a story uh today I think or yesterday where <laughs> it's like it was like when the new Pokemon games were coming out and everybody on Reddit was like, "Hey, did you know that not all the Pokemon are in the game?" Yeah, it, well, <laughs> it, 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 they got to dogpile that same mentality. But like, regardless, it, it was like Trump had two meetings about coronavirus back in January. It's like, didn't we know that three weeks ago? Wasn't that a story three weeks ago? Why is this getting reposted? Why is everyone pretending like yeah. this is news again? Ah, General Riposti, you are a bold one. Six Star Wars reference, bro. (laughs) So yeah, the internet sucks. Yeah. Everybody's stupid because everybody has a platform to complain and feels important now. Yeah. Um, uh, The world was a lot better when everybody uh, just was terrified of authority figures. And just tried to fall in line. <laughs> this this is Caleb arguing against personal liberties. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, s- speaking of personal liberties, let's talk about some swill that we're having. Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! Alright, so, uh, as I oft like to joke slash make reference to uh my own natural father wasn't there for me growing up and that's why this week i'm drinking a natty daddy uh from the folks who brought you natural light it's beer uh it's eight percent alcohol by volume jesus uh (laughs) yeah uh Ingredients, water, barley malt, cereal grains, hops, and yeast. Keeping it simple. It yeah. has uh, no flavor and actually just tastes like uh, alcohol mixed with water. Big yikes. Like, there's more of an alcohol taste to it than, like, most hard liquors that I enjoy. <laughs> it's it's weird. Leave it, leave it to natural. Or whoever yeah. natural is. I don't, I don't know who their parent company is offhand. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. If if you can choke down two or three of them, it get you drunk, so I'm not going to complain. Samuel Jackson beer! It gets you drunk! Why are you yelling? That's the That's way I talk. I talk! Haven't you seen my movies? <laughs> uh. I love a Sam Jackson. I need to get the taste of weed and hooker spit out of my mouth. I am drinking Bold Rock Hard Cider Blackberry. Uh, it's apparently seasonal. Uh, uh, crushed and crafted in the Blue Ridge Mountains. I don't know where the fuck that is. 
Apparently, this is uh, around North Carolina somewhere, I think. Uh, I'll read its ingredients as well. I thought the well. Uh, Blue Ridge Mountains were in West Virginia because of the John Denver song. Oh, here we go. Uh, uh, bottled, Along with the Shenandoah River. Bottled by... Uh, oh, this is just an address. Uh, we have Virginia and North Carolina, so I guess it's like a North Carolina-owned business, but uh, bottled in Virginia. Uh, its ingredients are hard apple cider, blackberry juice, sorbet. Sorbet? Sorbet. No? Nope, definitely not sorbet. Uh, Norbit? There we go. Uh, sulfites <laughs> to protect freshness. Yes, that's exactly what it says on there. Verbatim. Uh, natural flavors and light carbonation. And it's also naturally gluten-free, so there you go, everybody. Okay. Uh, hey, let's talk about some news that happened this week. Oh, shit, it's mail time. Queen Sono has been renewed for a thir- uh, uh, second season. The I don't B. know why my brain tried to say third. Because uh, you know after three it's going to get canceled. That's true. Uh, I'll talk about Queen Sono a little bit later in quick hits. But All right, Caleb, prepare to get mad. The creative team behind Orange is the New Black has created Social Distance, a new anthology series about the experience of living in social distance. The series will be scripted and shot with crews working remotely, and talent will film themselves. What? It's the most oddly specific thing. Like, you're... You're putting all this money into making a show that by the time it comes out, will already be, like, a weird artifact that no one's going to care about. Yeah. It's like all these commercials that are coming out right now from all these companies being like, hey, let's social distance together, blah, 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 have McDonald's. <laughs> hey, we're, we'll, we'll stay six feet away from you, but don't stay six feet away from this McMuffin. You can't share 20 pieces anymore with your friends, so why don't you both just get a 20 piece and eat half? <laughs> this is. I, I don't get it! Unless it's coming out like tomorrow. Like, there's no reason for this. Like, you should have already been working on this as soon as social distancing and like quarantining happened. She'd been like, oh, this is ridiculous. Let's talk about this. But now it's going to be like, oh, hey, remember that one time when we all show social distanced for, you know, two months? Yeah. Or, you know, not. Or not. And you go protest because you're you're an idiot. Yeah. I better not see any fucking memes about staying in a cabin for a year with no internet to win a million dollars. Oh, bruh. Yeah, there's no way. I, I yeah. believe me. I knew. Yeah. <laughs> Me personally, I'm like, yeah, there's no way. Ain't no way. You, you couldn't you couldn't fucking stay home for two weeks to save your grandma's life. With internet. Yeah. Fortunately I have no grandparents left. <laughs> I'm doing a little dance right now. Alright, uh the next story is that the Oscars will allow streaming only movies to compete for awards this year. Only. Okay. But but they are doing it. Yeah. So just... next year there will be precedent for it. And the what? Just fucking do it. They're doing it. 
They're going to do it. You think so? I don't know. <sighs> oh, fucking get Hollywood. I don't. I, I mean, I don't care either way. But my my thing I don't is, care. is like, the Oscars are fucking stupid. Yes, but like, it's it, really all this is on here is just like. Public service announcement. The Oscars has changed their whole... Like, there was, like, a bunch of other things that changed, too. But, like, this was the main thing that pertained to this show. Like, they they combined sound editing and mixing into one category. So it's going to be best sound, I guess. Like, that doesn't fucking matter. This is the only thing that pertains to the show. And it's like, all right. So now, as opposed to everyone making the same five memes, it's like, all right, who's ready for the Oscar... Our Oscar winner, Trolls World Tour? It's like, no. There's... Everything on Netflix can compete now. Hey, and don't talk shit Prime, about Trolls World Tour. I'll do whatever I want. I don't know. I feel like this is a, a desperate grasp to try to stay relevant in a world where fucking being fresh on Rotten Tomatoes is more of a decision factor in whether somebody sees your shitty fucking movie. Truth. I think I, I watched the Oscars uh, last year. The year before and this year, uh, at specifically at the end of the telecast, because I wanted to see who won Best Picture, and that was it. I was like, ah, oh, these are cool moments. Like after after the fucking La La Land Moonlight fiasco, like the Best Picture thing has now become like an object of interest for me. Not yeah. not the award itself, but like how can they possibly fuck this up again? <laughs> All right, um. This is fucking wild. Extraction is projected to be the most watched Netflix original with 94 million viewers. All right. So a quick little asterisk for Barry Bonds here. Uh, This is view. This is based off of numbers from one week. So remember this released last Friday. Uh, So the numbers came out over the Friday like, oh, over a seven day period, we can project based off of like our algorithms that. 94 million people will have seen Extraction worldwide, which is uh, insane. But I guess it's because there's nothing else for people to do. Yeah. I don't know. Some people seem to really like it, though. Like, uh, Wayne over at the Countdown said that it was the balls, and Paul said that it was just balls. I haven't listened to that yet. Uh, Acknowledge my joke. I won't. Oh. Okay, let's talk about some trailers in Downstream. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Uh, our first trailer is for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Kimmy versus the... Thought it th- I thought that for a second said The Revenant. That's not right. Uh, the <laughs> Reverend. Uh, the interactive Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt special. Uh, it looks actually pretty good. Pretty funny. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I, I'm still not totally sold on the whole interactive Netflix thing, but it's fine. They're going to keep trying to force it, and eventually something is going to work. Yeah, I don't know. The whole Black Mirror, I want to say Bandicoot was all right. <laughs> no, that's Crash. Bandersnatch. Crash Mirror Bandicoot. Uh, Nitro edition. And there we go. (laughs) And Knuckles. Featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry series. Oh my god. That guy's in everything. Hope everyone appreciates these video game jokes. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, it's it's a topic uh, coming up here soon. Because uh, what that comes out? Oh fuck! Uh, next Tuesday. Weird. They they keep going. They keep doing that. They keep putting out stuff on not Fridays, which is interesting. Uh, I, I'm wondering if they're trying to experiment on like what what days people actually pay t- people pay attention to things, or they're trying to spread out everything because people like. Something releases on Friday, they binge it, and it's like, ah, well, I got nothing now. So now they have something to binge on Friday, they have this special for Tuesday, and then they have something to binge again on Friday. Maybe? Yeah, I don't know. All right, uh, our next trailer is for a docuseries entitled Trial by Media. Uh, This is, I guess, about why newspapers and TV stations always glorify uh, murders and horrible things, and its effect on society. Man, and how uh, they they start allowing cameras into certain courtrooms for high profile cases, which is problematic. Oh, a hundred percent. I don't think the general public should be privy to what's going on in court cases. No, I mean that's like, I don't know. You can't. You can't study something without affecting it in some way. You know what I mean? Like, those people, like, they know they're in... Like, it's not just a trial by jury. Like, it's also um, taking place in the court of public opinion. And, like, whenever the jury goes home, they see the news reports and, like, their opinion is swayed by that, so... hmm So, yeah. Uh, it probably brings up some good points, but again... It's a docu series, so guess who's skipping it? Probably us. Um, yes. So our last trailer this week is a documentary called "Have a Good Trip." Uh, this is about celebrities talking about psychedelics. Um, this is maybe the companion piece to Midnight Gospel or something. Ish, yeah. Uh, Ashley, it's a funny story. Ashley said. Uh, as I was about to watch this trailer, she said, all right, uh, I'm going to go to Pluto now. And I was like, wait, before you go to Pluto, you got to see this trailer because it's about drugs. And <laughs> she watched it and she was like, eh, I don't know if I want to see that. I don't know if I want to see celebrities talk about their, their psychedelic trips. And I'm like, you're a hundred percent right. I don't know if I want to see that. Yeah. It looks very, uh, self congratulatory and not good. I'll agree to that. Like, I don't fucking need Sarah Silverman telling me how open her mind is. I don't need any of these people telling me how open their minds are. <laughs> That's my secret, Caleb. I don't give a fuck. Um, Speaking of not giving a fuck, uh, why don't we get into quick hits? <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't know where this is going. Uh, and this this is all you, buddy. Oh, okay. I was wondering why there was nothing under your thing, but uh, yeah. that, that explains it. Because that's everything that I watched this week, because I was a very, very important businessman on a very important business trip. Okay, so the first thing I watched is this Chinese movie called Shadow. Uh, it is not entirely black and white. Because the characters 
skin and eyes still have color, but the tones, uh, their, their clothes, like their, their surroundings, like the, the general background, like the sets all in black and white. Like Hmm. it's, uh, very visually striking. It's very pretty. Uh, and the fight, the fighting is brutal. It's a, it's basically about how, um, this guy is the shadow for, uh, this Lord commander who fought a, a rival army commander in a duel, uh, lost, but didn't die. But, uh, because of the way he was cut by this rival commander's blade, uh, he rap he like rapidly aged. And became extraordinarily weak for some reason. It's very strange. I don't understand it. So basically, they had this guy who was always like around him pretend to be the new lord, like, like the lord commander, as if nothing ever happened. Uh, it's it's very interesting, uh, and it's like a tale of revenge for this this guy who has to get it through a surrogate. Uh, I won't go any further than that. I highly recommend this, uh, despite my score of a, a, a three and a half out of five. This isn't a Netflix original or anything, but like you should see it. This is, uh, it's very, it's very pretty, very stylized. I don't know uh, if if you're into the the kind of martial artsy, not martial artsy, that Chinese battle movies. This is definitely one to check out. I will say though, it is very slow going for the first forty five minutes. Like things are like slowly ramp up uh, to uh, a point and once you get to that point it's like okay i'm into this but then uh, but like before that it's like eh, just get to the point come on but so yeah uh check out shadow hmm. interesting uh then i watched queen sono i watched the first episode uh and i had three things to say there's good production value the script is uh very clunky and the acting is bad uh, uh, and I don't know, maybe they got inexperienced actors. I mean, this is the first African Netflix original, so maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not, sh- I'm not a hundred percent sure, but, uh, once again, I only watched one episode, uh, being that this has got a second season, I'm interested to see where it goes. I was originally going to give up on it and just be like, eh, fuck it. Who cares? Now I'm just like, eh, fuck it. Who cares? I'll watch it. Uh, then I watched more Sice Manos after Queen Sono. So, yay! This is that grindhouse uh, Mexican anime uh, that you talked about. Uh, it is actually anime because it's done by Viz Media, who are prolific in Japan. So don't give me any of that shit. This is an anime. It's anime. I I know it's an anime because I've seen many animes like it, and I can tell from the pixels. <laughs> I don't mean you. I mean people. <laughs> Because I am one of those sticklers for, you can't just call something that's animated anime. So that's not how it works. Yeah. Like Big Mouth, the Netflix original anime. Man, that's not an anime. That's an animation. Don't Speaking of, uh, as as we're doing the show, Vanessa is downstairs watching Ghost in the Shell for the first time. I'm really interested to talk to her about it when we're done. Ooh, there you go. You know, I... um. Real quick aside on that, I tried to watch Ghost in the Shell 2.0, and it, it, where it was basically just like, oh, uh, the commander is just computer animated. And I'm like, well, this is stupid, and the same movie, fuck oh, this. Yeah. And I turned and I turned it off because like, fuck that, I don't need that. I've already seen the the original movie. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's what she's moving. That fucking... I, I love that movie. Uh, but yeah, Sykes Bonos, uh, it's interesting. Uh, I got to, I think, episode five that takes place almost entirely within the police station, and I just found myself infuriated because of, like, a logical inconsistency with with the whole plot. Uh, but other than that, it's a, it's a fine show. I still have to finish it. I have uh, three more episodes to go. What do you think of uh, Mike Coulter's character? I think it's interesting watching a black character be portrayed as racist. Sure. Because I don't feel like that's something we see. I'm not saying, like, it's a good thing or a bad thing. I just think it's interesting. Because, like, normally when we see shows featuring black people... Uh, and like all like all minorities are one category. Yeah, it's like all minorities and then white people. Right. Okay, this, I see what like, you're saying. Oh, he's the black guy, and he's like, ah, oh, well, they're Mexican, and do you speak Mexican? And other and other derogatory things towards Hispanic people. I'm saying, like, okay, I see, I I get it, I get it, I see what you're doing here. I appreciate that. Uh, and then the final thing I watched was two episodes of The Midnight Gospel. And I can tell you that I never want to hear the Duncan Trussell Power Hour ever. <laughs> the, it uh, having watched those two episodes, and I'm just like listening to these people babble on about complete nonsense. I'm just like, eh, fuck these people. I hate them all. So I don't know if I'm going to go back to to Midnight Gospel. Like the the animation's weird and interesting, but. It's an interesting idea for a project. Like from a pure art standpoint, uh it's interesting. Like I feel like the show has value in that. Like it absolutely is not for everyone. Right. Uh, and Ashley and I basically came to the same like I like I it, it's it's funny watching like the first episode is is like how uh uh Clancy goes to a, a different like he goes to a different planet every every day but then like he shows up on this planet during a zombie apocalypse and his character and the president of the United States are just talking <laughs> about psychedelic drugs and mindfulness while they're killing zombies and it's like all right this is super surreal it's kind of funny but then the, you have the next episode which is like Where all right, he, he gets goes to turned this planet into meat. he gets turned into meat eventually and they're talking about like spirituality and mindfulness. I'm like, eh. So this is all it is. Is like they're gonna have like serious conversations with the backdrop of just like utter nonsense, uh, utter visual nonsense. I'm yeah, like, for the okay. most part. Okay, fine. I get it. I don't know if I want to go back to it, but I tried it. Yeah. I don't know. I think I weirdly am part of the target audience for this show. So I I did have a much more positive experience for it, but. Um, I, I don't begrudge you not being into it. Like, I didn't think that you would be into it. It's not bad. Like, I, I think the animation's well done. It's just like, I can't, I can't fucking stand these people talking. They're, this is just the worst kind of podcast. Um, I will say maybe skip ahead and check out the last episode. Like, I don't think there's a lot of the stuff in that episode. Like, there's one episode where it's like very meta story heavy and the interview is only a very small part of it mm -hmm. but like i think the last episode it's pretty like there's almost none of the like meta story stuff and it's just um it's actually uh 
an interview that Duncan Trussell did for the show with his mother, like just before she died from breast cancer. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's a really good episode. So like maybe just skip ahead and check that one out. Okay. I'll give it a try. And then tell me what you think. All right. So the last episode, got it. Uh, that's it. That's all I watched this week. All right. Well, why don't we cut into a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about our feature review for the week. Hashtag Black AF. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. Welcome back, Dan. It's time to get into our main review topic for the week. Hashtag Black AF. This is a new show created by Kenya Barris, who also created Blackish, uh, stars himself and Rashida Jones. Uh, this has a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb. And the log line is a father takes an irreverent and honest approach to parenting and relationships. Um, which isn't quite what the show is about but it's close enough uh what did you think about this Ooh boy i do not like this show no no i think first and foremost the episodes are just too long i i don't know why they insisted on over half an hour for every episode but it feels like they hit all of their points and then just continue dragging on the show for an additional five to ten minutes and it's like eh. okay mm. um I'm not crazy about it, but I've definitely, like, every episode's given me some big old belly laughs, for sure. And uh, I do think that this show, and, like, more broadly, this kind of show is important, um, kind of on a cultural level, but uh, we'll kind of get into more of that later, so. I think my other big problem with the show... Because I, I do, there are times where I laughed and laughed heartily, but like, I don't find either parent character relatable in any way, shape, or form. They're just so out there. It actually feels like, and the, based off the way it's shot too, uh, it feels like a Real Housewives of fill in the blank kind of show. <laughs> but I mean, like, it really kind of is in a way. Yeah, but it's also. Uh, I don't think it's satirizing it in that kind of a sense. It's just like, hey, look at these ridiculous people, you know, and and let's also have some poignant moments like littered in throughout, but mainly watch these people just be ridiculous. Yeah. So the whole thing is framed as uh, their daughter is making a documentary about the parents uh, to try to get into NYU film school. Um. And she's basically just like, hey, look at look at how terrible both of my parents are. Uh, watch them 
try to play, you know, all of the kids against each other and all this ridiculous shit. So, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a weird family dynamic. Um, so yeah. Right. Cause like in, in their talking heads, like they'll, they'll admit shit that like you would admit to a documentary crew, but then you remember that the documentary crew is headed by their daughter. So it's like, ah, mm-hmm. it's really weird that you're talking to your daughter like this. And I mean, yeah. The show is basically like how they're not the best parents as it is. And this, like those talking heads just kind of underscore that, that they have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Like to such a degree that they're willing to just say whatever candidly to their kid. Yeah. I don't know. It's, um, it's a weird, like half sitcom, half, uh, like mockumentary i guess and that's what like the framing device i'm not crazy about it right like uh i feel like they could have stripped you know all of that away pretty much and just like saved all of us a lot of time yeah because it feels like they're they're like i said it feels like they're double explaining or even triple explaining what's going on Mm -hmm. it's like eh. Do we really need that? Because there's like the there's like the moment that the audience gets it, and then there's like the the moment that like the parents get it, and then there's the moment that like the parents explain it to the kids. And maybe that's supposed to be the way it is because it's like, oh, we're the parents, we pick this up more than our kids do, so we have to explain the situation to to, to them to understand what's going on. Yeah. But the kids get it, so it just feels like it's kind of like nonsense. Like, just continual nonsense. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I will, like, reiterate from, you know, when we first talked about this show a little bit. Uh, I think that Rashida Jones is fucking on in this show. Like, I think she's awesome, and I really hope that uh, this leads to some more and better, bigger roles for her. Yeah. I I don't hate the acting. I hate the the way the characters are written. Like they're, that's fair. They're just too out of touch, and and like their kid, yeah. Because it's like the end of the first episode. She's just like, uh, the daughter who's making this documentary is just like, you know, they uh, it, it's not like one of them is gonna win against the other. Like they reinforce each other's terribleness. Yeah, and like they talk about. They eventually at one point talk about how like the first two daughters, like they were, they were alive when, you know, the family was, I don't want to say poor or struggling, but like not as well off before they made it. Yeah. Before, not before, before, like they had this lavish house of just like ridiculous, you know, I don't, I can't think of the word I'm thinking of, but it's, it's a massive fucking house. Yes. Excess. Thank you. But, and I, I get it. Like, I understand. Like, and so these other kids showed up after like all the money was starting to be made and like they're spoiled rotten basically and you know the 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 two the two old do- older daughters are like eh we know we know what it's like to work and you know we we knew what it was like when they had the struggle and it's it's like you know Kenya Barris and Joya forgot about that entirely and just were like eh we fuck it just just you know spend money on whatever like spend spend a, a x amount of dollars on a, a basically black painting with some white paint flecks on it <laughs> that she hates until she meets the 
the artist who painted it and he explained he mansplains art to her. I mean, he created it. He's allowed to explain yeah. what his, what his vision behind it was. Right. The the best part though is when Kenya Barrows comes up after him and it's like that's exactly he's, what I've been saying. Like, yeah, like almost verbatim and she's like what you're full of shit. This ba- your your explanation is shit. Get me another one. That explanation is <laughs> shit too. We're not going to really talk about spoilers, really, because, like, there's also nothing really to spoil with this show. It's just kind of, like, it's a sitcom. Like, there, there's no, like, uh, overarching plot other than, like, get the daughter into NYU. I think Drea's really good, the the daughter who's making the documentary. Um, mm-hmm. The rest of the kids, uh, like, I don't know. This has, like, character oversaturation syndrome really bad. Yeah. Because, like... She's one of six kids, so the other five just, like, pop in and out of it at random, and I still don't know what any of their fucking names are. Uh, Chloe is the older sister, Izzy is the younger sister, then you have Pops, that's his nickname, I don't know, I can't remember his actual name, but you have Pops, who is, like, the oldest son, who yeah. uh, is big baby boy. Uh, Cam, who is the, I guess, the middle boy. And then you have uh, Brooklyn, who is the youngest. Yeah. I mean, I was being kind of facetious. I know, I know their names. No, but like, no, I had, I had to mansplain to you their names. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Th- thank you, a white man, for helping me through that. <laughs> Goofball. Next. Um, I don't know. I like I said earlier. Like I, f- I think that this show is. Uh, interesting slash important from a a cultural perspective because it is about you know the black experience in america and like the black family dynamic and what it's like growing up uh which is not at all you know something that i've experienced so it's um it kind of gives you a touchstone to relate to that i guess like not to say that like we can truly understand it through that, but it it gives you something to think about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it puts things into a bit of a context. Yeah, like uh, basically, like Kenny Barris' spending is out of control, and it's like, why is it spending out of control? Oh, because he needs to show yes, he, he has status, because otherwise people will just think he he's just another black guy. You know, if he yeah. if he doesn't like ball out with like sick cars, stupid paintings, and you know, two thousand dollars chain. Yeah, uh, you know, no one, people are going to be like, well, he's just a, he's just a regular black guy. And he's like, no, I have to show them that I made, I have to flex yeah. to show that I made it. Yeah, I th- I think that's what this show does that it's really successful at, so. Uh, I want to talk about the most interesting episode to me, which was the black director uh movie movie episode where yeah, definitely uh every, this this movie comes out from this you know up and coming black director uh and everyone seems to love it except for Kenya Barris and Drea for whatever reason they 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 hate the movie and they they censor out the movie and I don't I don't know what movie it's trying to say is the one that's bad uh I have a guess I think they might be talking about us because us came out in 2019 and this really yeah. started going around like 2019 like that's when this really started hitting production so 
I would not be surprised if that's what they are referring to in that. Uh, but they were talking about basically like how society, especially white critics, won't criticize black art because they're afraid that, you know, people are going to come after them for being racist because they're making criticisms yeah. against the movie or like any piece of art, really, from a black director or showrunner or anything like that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I that was my favorite episode. It's also the top rated episode on IMDb. So, yeah, that makes sense. I think I think that was the best written. I still think it's too long. I think that one's thirty eight minutes, and it's like, oh, really, really? I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I I liked him getting together like the Black Creators Coalition to basically be like, all right, we need to talk about how you know. Yeah, and, the, and then they all one by one abandoned him to talk shit on him. Yeah, because <laughs> he didn't like the movie that he was supposed to like. Yeah, so I, like I, I, I get it. Like support black creators and, and that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, we want people to create stuff, but I, I don't think, and this is this is me, a white man, saying this, but I don't think we should be afraid to criticize things based off yeah. of the color of our skin. And give legitimate, like, you can't just say, like, I had, like, the women characters were all too strong. You can't say, that's not a legitimate criticism. Like, that's, that's, that's not. Right. Or, like, there's too many black people. That's not a legitimate criticism. You can criticize (laughs) writing, casting, uh, you know, production, uh, cinematography, that kind of stuff. You can, you can criticize actual aspects of it. You can't just say, ah, well, you know, they cast a Latino person for some reason. Who cares? Shut up. You remember when that was literally why people didn't like an adaptation of Annie? Uh, no. Also, because I never saw that adaptation of Annie. Yeah. I don't think anyone did. But, uh, yeah. I just remember hearing about it, and for some reason it was controversial. Also, same thing with, uh, I guess they're doing a remake of The Little Mermaid. She's going to be black. And it's like, who cares? Who gives a fuck? It's yeah. a fucking mermaid. It's a mythical creature. Yeah. Who cares? Oh, but my, my aerial was, was white. And, uh, hashtag uh, not my aerial. Ha- hashtag bring back ginger aerial. Yeah. yeah. I bet my fucking ex would have some strong things to say about that. Big yikes. Yeah, big oof. I think she named her fucking kid Ariel. We also have the same thing with like uh, Fantastic Four or Fan Four Stick, I should say, where uh, we had Michael B. Jordan <laughs> as as Johnny Storm. Is that Michael B. Jordan? Is that right? It is right. Yeah. And then we also had uh, Miles Morales as Spider Man. The MCU Mary Jane is probably my favorite version of that character slash the one that that version Kirsten of it that Dunst? I don't dislike because yeah. it's not Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. <laughs> But that was our kiss. Come on. The upside down kiss is like an iconic moment of the aughts. Yeah. Right up there with I live my life a quarter mile at a time. You, you shut your whore mouth. <laughs> also, I think that was 90. No, that was 2001. Never mind. Can't wait. Can't wait to finish this car and give it and show it to Ashley. And then it'll be like, all right, our Fast and Furious series commences. Uh, anything else you want to say about hashtag Black AF? I feel like we're uh, we we didn't touch too much on uh, story beats or anything like that, but 
Yeah, and I don't, I don't really want to too much. Right. Um, I don't know. The show has its issues, but I, I found it enjoyable. Yeah, I, it to me, its issues really compound on itself, and like I, I feel like the the parents' unlikableness plus the episode length of all the show, oh, like everything is just like it, it just makes every episode feel longer than it really is, and. I don't know, that's, that, to me, that's not a hallmark of a good show. Okay. I understand why it has a 41% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'll just say that. Uh, what would you give hashtag Black AF? Uh, I'm going to say a three. Okay. Uh, I'm going with a two and a half. Ouch. Yeah, big ouch. Okay. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. There's some character growth towards the end of the season that, like, I would like to see carried forward into the next season. Assuming there's a next season, I bet there's going to be a next season. It's Kenya Barris. He's popular enough. Yeah. All right, well, hey, let's cut into a quick break here. And uh, when we come back from that, we'll talk about a cautionary tale of Netflix that Caleb chose for us, Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Or as Paul would put it, Indiana Jones and the Beep. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald from Two Peas on the podcast. Nick and Justin from the Epic Film Guys podcast. Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast. The IMDB Journey podcast. Julio from the Contrarians podcast. Ashley Gorski from the Rabbit Ears TV podcast. Nate Wade from the Everyone Has a Story podcast. Bill Sutton, James Delarosa, Ben Kiefer, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. In order to reach a wider audience, the show needs Apple Podcast reviews. To leave us a review, follow the link in the show notes or search for the show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and helping us grow. Our audience is at the heart of everything we do. You make the one-star movies worth it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Dan, adventure with me into a cautionary tale of Netflix. Welcome to Cautionary Tales of Netflix, or Netflix and Swill. You know, one-star movies are terrible. They'll make you want to gouge your fucking eyes out. And that's what this show is all about. Warning people about the dangers of shitty movies. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull uh, is a 2008 action-adventure film directed by Steven Spielberg uh, based on a story written by George Lucas. It stars Harrison Ford, Kate Blanchett, and Shia LaBeouf. In 1957, archaeologist, adventurer, and very old man, Dr. Henry Indiana Jones Jr. is called back into action and becomes entangled in a Soviet plot to uncover the secret behind mysterious artifacts known as the Crystal Skulls. Uh, Dan, give me your hot take on Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. A two-hour movie... I don't know if this is a hot take. It's probably a very, very... Like, frozen in carbonite take, or, you know, uh, frozen in the polar ice caps for millennia take, but this movie's bad. 
Uh, I remember going to see it in the theaters because of my family's love for the Indiana Jones trilogy. Being like, ah, this, there's no way this can be bad. And then Harrison Ford got blown up in a lead line <laughs> refrigerator. And then all of my hopes were dashed. Yeah. Do you know the phrase jumping the shark? Hey. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It comes from an episode of Happy Days where literally, because they kept having to up the ante and make the fawns seem even more cool and badass. Uh, the fawns was on water skis and went over a jump and a shark jumped up out of the water and uh, tried to bite him. And he like jumped over the shark. So jumping the shark uh, became synonymous with the the moment in a show where you know it uh it gets too ridiculous and like after that it's just never good again um so in film uh this movie gave us a new a new word for that and it's called nuking the fridge <laughs> so whenever a movie franchise nukes the fridge uh that's when it takes a hard left turn into complete bullshit yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, what did you think, being that this is the second Indiana Jones movie you've ever seen? It's just... They... They really... It, hmm, it is an Indiana Jones movie. Yes. Like, it's got all of that DNA. Everything in this movie is just so fucking uneven. Yeah. Um, The plot doesn't make any sense. Um, they do the same thing that they do in Raiders where it's like, uh, plot MacGuffin is with the good guys. Now it's with the bad guys. Now they're fighting over it. Oh, the good guys got away with it. Now the bad guys came and took it. Um, people like to bitch about like the Star Wars movies being remade over and over. Um, this movie is Raiders of the Lost Ark. With a fucking new stupid coat of paint over it. Because, like, literally, like, instead of Nazis, it's uh, Russians. You know, instead of this religious artifact, it's this crystal skull. But, like, similarly, if, like, Indiana Jones and company would have just done fuck all and stayed home, the same thing would have happened, pretty much. Um, so like his involvement in the movie at all is basically meaningless. Um, I don't know. I kind of think Shia LaBeouf is the best thing about the movie. And like, I feel like everybody hated him in it. Yeah. But cause, like, cause they were trying to pass the torch and it's like, uh, but we don't like Shia LaBeouf. I'm like, well, he, well, don't forget. He was in the Transformers franchise at this point. So they were doing... To Shia LaBeouf, what they're doing now with Chris Pratt. Yeah. Yep. Just showing um, him everything. Yeah. Well, fuck it. Throw some Shia LaBeouf over there. It's the uh, appropriate impression, so Julio's welcome. Uh, because George Lucas wrote this movie. And you can tell that, you know, post-Star Wars, George Lucas wrote this movie. Because it has a lot of the same pratfalls as a Star Wars movie that George Lucas yeah. wrote. For the prequel trilogy. There there's like a two minute long action scene of Shia LaBeouf getting hit in the nuts over and over. Yep. And I'm sure someone thought that was funny and looked good. But it doesn't, because it's all shot on the soundstage. Yeah. Very obviously. 
The CGI for 2008 looks bad. It looks very bad. And to be completely honest with you, like, if CGI had been a thing whenever Raiders came out, nobody would enjoy or remember that movie because it would have looked exactly like this. And you can't tell me any different. I don't think you're wrong because I feel like a lot of movies are memorable from the 80s because they did a lot of practical stuff. Also, even if the fridge thing made sense and he survived that, he immediately gets out of it in the explosion. Like, he's very close to it. And it's like, oh, well, he would have immediately absorbed enough radiation to kill him pretty much on the spot. I'm – see, I think the fridge thing is ridiculous. But also, we had, in this franchise, someone's heart get ripped out, uh, men whose faces melted, and a guy turned from uh, late 50s, early 60s to uh, dust within seconds from drinking from uh, a carpenter, like a fake carpenter's cup. So, like, (laughs) what? I don't care. Yeah, it's not like the franchise has ever made sense. Right. Like, that's the thing. It's like everyone's like... And it's like nitpicking because you know the movie's bad, so you just start to pick up all the other things that are bad about it, and that's one of the things. Like, if you fucking hated any of the other Indiana Jones movies, you'd be like, well, he ripped out this guy's heart. Like, this guy penetrated this guy's fucking sternum, uh, and he goes right through, like, the center of his his chest and pulls out his heart. Yeah. And then feed and um, the guy is still alive and he feeds him to whatever they fuck they feed them to in Temple of Doom. <laughs> I don't know. I um I do think that it's like it's a very bold choice to have him like instead of uh chasing after religious artifacts, it's shit having to do with aliens and like the fucking Roswell incident and stuff. I don't think uh, it's, a, bad it's idea. a bold choice. It's a very fucking stupid choice. Mm. But like I mean, all of the Indiana Jones movies are based on him trying to find shit from a fantasy storybook, so. Yeah, I'm not. I, it makes sense for the time. Like, the time if they made another the one, it would be Indiana Jones and the One Ring or something. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> mad at it. I, I, it makes sense for the time. Like, it, you know, you're fighting the communists. You're, 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 you know, around the time the communists, like the, the whole red panic was happening. Aliens yeah. were becoming a thing. So now everyone's interested in aliens and that kind yeah. of stuff. So, like, I base idea level, okay. I'm fine yeah, with it. Yeah, it captures the cultural zeitgeist of a time period that was 50 years before the movie came out. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. Because everything's nuclear and aliens and Ruskies uh, and double agents. And, uh, fucking Shia LaBeouf dressing like he's being painted for the cover of a Grateful Dead album. Um, I'll tell you this, that scene when they're, when they're in that, uh, sixties diner and he punches the guy in the Letterman's jacket and then the guy pushes him into the other greasers that are at the, uh, at the diner. I fucking laughed out loud. I was like, holy fuck. I do not remember that at all. That is hilarious. Yeah, it's a pretty fun scene, actually. Hey, hit that guy. Wait, what? Yeah, hit him. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, that's the other thing with the Indiana Jones movies. I, the, the Foley work is fucking iconic. I love yeah. the Foley work and how outlandish it is. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, of course, then at the end of the movie, like, uh, they get the the plot MacGuffin, which is this crystal skull that like mesmerizes people, and they hint at it having like profound psychic power or something. Um, because, which like I feel like they even could have leaned into that more and mm-hmm. like kind of made it more of like a project mk ultra thing because like the soviets and the cia were both researching like trying to awaken psychic abilities in humans during this time which is fucking crazy mm-hmm. and like my favorite time period because of that right um so like i don't know they could have done more with that but like they get the they get the skull to the place. Um, there's like all these crystal skeletons because apparently the aliens have skeletons that are comprised of pure quartz crystal for no apparent reason. Um, uh, they put the, it wasn't quartz. They, they, they put they were... the skull on the skeleton. They specifically said quartz crystal without a tool mark on it. But then, but then he was like, but quartz isn't magnetic. And neither yeah. is gold. So then they well, it was quick, just weird quickly quartz. recanted. Right. But, um, so they, they put the skull back on the skeleton that's missing the skull. And, uh, they, all, all of the skeletons start moving around and like smush together and turn into just a regular old alien made of flesh for some reason. Yep. See, and then it, see what happens then it is, leans in close to the camera and stares directly at you for a few seconds. See, what happens is five mini lion bots combine into one gigantic <laughs> lion robot. Nice pull. Thanks. Um, see, I, I hate this too because, um, this whole idea that, like, uh, ancient aliens visited Mesoamerican cultures and like guided their development. Uh, it started with a book called Chariot of the Gods. Uh, and it's basically a very racist book about how, you know, these, these natives wouldn't be smart enough to stack blocks on top of each other this way. Uh, you know, only white people can be architects. So it must have been aliens that came and built these things for them in these specific patterns to like follow uh astro like astronomical movements and shit. Um it's it's stupid. I'm tired of seeing shit referencing like hey, maybe aliens talk to the Egyptians and the Incas and shit. Don't tell this um, to my mom. Mom, tune this out quick. Plug your ears. <laughs> It is interesting, though, that, like, the Incas and the Mayans, like, and the Egyptians all came up with, like, this independent idea of a pyramid and, like, did that all themselves. Like, we have, like, we had the documentation from, like, Egypt that, yes, sl- they they used slaves to build the pyramids. I think that's 100% true. We don't know, we, we have no documentation from... Mesoamerica, so we're just like, ah, fuck it, aliens did it, because we, you know, <laughs> there's no plausible deniability against such a thing. And I think that's what that really comes down to, is just like, eh, fuck it. Conspiracy theories. 
Alex no. Jones. <laughs> Aliens guy. Uh, here's an article that was posted on IMDb on March 1st of this year uh, by Unknown. Director Steven Spielberg will no longer be directing Indiana Jones 5 following Ooh. actor Harrison Ford calling U.S. President Donald Trump a son of a bitch, possibly alienating millions of conservative Indiana Jones fans. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm glad Steven Spielberg... What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. I'm glad Steven they're... Spielberg isn't directing. Well, like, that's awful writing, too, because they're, tr like, trying to conflate Spielberg not doing the shitty movie with uh, Harrison Ford hating Trump and making it seem like Spielberg's a, a Trump supporter, maybe? I don't know. Yeah? Yeah? It's just a fucking weird way to say that i mean this is this is journalism today and they're just like ah well this guy said this thing and this guy did this thing so therefore yeah. it must be because of this thing so therefore this guy it's is all just thing. fucking sound bites taken out of context that's this is why nobody fucking knows anything well and when people think they know things it's because of clickbait headlines that say oh this yeah. happened but there wait here's the actual context of the thing happened that happened in the article but people can't be fucked to read the article at this point, so they're just like they get mad at the headline. Yeah, like, like I yell at Kotaku all the time, and by all the time I mean like whenever a news story of theirs shows up in my timeline, and I'm like, well, this isn't what this says. Why change your fucking title, you pieces of shit? Well, why the fuck are you clicking on Kotaku links? Don't do that. I, I do it because I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, that reminds me. Remember, remember when Disney tried to trademark a tweet, basically, and say yeah. claim claim rights to to uh, a hashtag? That was it. They, yeah. They, if if you respond to this tweet with this hashtag, you are agreeing to have us publish your thoughts in our things. And I re I remember reading that initially, and I'm like, that is not what they're saying. Is like, what it, what it sounded like they were saying was, we own the hashtag May the Fourth. And you can't use it without, like, consenting to our terms and conditions. And it's like, no, that's not that's not possible. And then they fixed it, being like, no, it, it's if you respond to this tweet that we get to say, we get to use your thoughts and feelings. And I was like, may the fourth, may the fourth, you suck my balls or whatever. I don't fucking care. Disney's, Disney's so stupid. It's so dumb. Stop it. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, hey, uh, let's, uh, wrap this up. What, what did you, what are you going to give Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Uh, I'm giving it a two. Hey, for, me too. For context, I gave Raiders a 2.5, so. <laughs> uh, did you, uh, uh, well, I was going to ask you, did you watch any of the other Indiana Jones movies? And, uh, you did not because you were busy. Yeah. Uh, I'll uh I'll maybe dabble with those. I'll, I'll fuck with that over the next week or two here. Yeah, that'd be I I'd be interested to see what you think. Yeah. Like I said, I'll, I think I'll be I think interested to complain about them. <laughs> I'm not gonna defend any of them because I don't I don't really care, but like I I I, I enjoy uh The Last Crusade the most. Yeah. I think it's funny how uh they couldn't get Sean Connery to come back for this one because he didn't want to do it because he thought it was stupid. So they had to make a point of showing a a picture of him on uh, 
Indiana Jones's desk mm-hmm. and like they had to reference him three times. They yeah, well they did reference him three times. They also uh gave there's a the character Martin Brody who they crash into a statue and he's, there's also a picture of him on Indiana Jones' desk. I'm like, well, did, did Marcus really deserve a statue and a picture? Come on. I mean, Will Smith only got a picture in the White House in Independence Day Resurgence. Like, come on. Yeah. I don't know. Why did any of this movie happen? Why did they use the weird fucking takes that they used? You're a teacher? Part-time? Let's not forget also, Kate Blanchett's awful, 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 awful accent. Like, she she didn't even do the accent right, and she slips into her normal accent, too. Yeah. This is quite possibly... Where is Moose and Squirrel? This is quite possibly Kate Blanchett's worst performance ever. Bold take, I know. <laughs> oh, fuck. This is, see, I'm kind of torn with this movie because it's almost bad enough to be really enjoyable for me. Sure. What do you think? We're going to keep talking about this. What did you think about the, the scene of Shia LaBeouf swinging through the trees with the monkeys? Fucking loved it. Just <laughs> for no, for no reason whatsoever. He just goes full Tarzan the ape man. It was, uh, it was pretty out of nowhere and pretty great. Yeah. A- well, he watched at- the monkeys do it. So he knew how to do it. Oh, I mean, of course. And then he he led an army of monkeys into battle against Kate Blanchett. And he defeated the Russians. <laughs> he defeated communism with, with his monkeys. mighty marmosets. Oh, man. Ashley looked up and she's like, oh, fuck this scene. I'm like, oh, fuck this scene. <laughs> uh, and then Indiana Jones' old girlfriend, uh, Marion, shows up in it. And... For no apparent reason, they're like, hey, let's immediately jump back into our relationship so that there can be a scene at the end of the movie where we get married. Yeah. Because there's no way we'll make a fifth movie. And then, and then, they, get, then they give you the little dick tease of like Shia LaBeouf about to pick up the hat and then Indiana Jones is like, nah, fuck it. You, you, can't, you, can't, you don't get my torch yet, motherfucker. I'm fucking, I don't fucking, I don't give a shit about Indiana Jones. I don't give a fuck. I'm Gazorp Gazorp <laughs> fucking feel, bitch. Uh, why the fuck? Why was the Ark of the Covenant in Area 51? That's for top men. That's, yeah. That's top men. Top men. That, that was it. But like, what is, what is the historical content, like, did the Roswell incident also happen in this timeline? Uh, yes, they did talk about the Roswell incident. So, like, just coincidentally, the Roswell incident occurred near where the Ark of the Covenant was being stored by top men? John Williams' score, though, on point. Yeah. Gotta, gotta say that. As as per usual, John Williams probably the best part of every one of his movies. Um also we forgot to mention this, but John Hurt is in this movie. Yeah! John Hurt, the finest actor who has ever lived. Who just plays a, a deranged man with very yeah. long hair for uh, the entire run length of this movie. 
He, um, towards the later part of his career, he just showed up in a bunch of projects like that that just didn't deserve him, but were, like, elevated way beyond their station for having him in it. Yeah. Uh, this being one of them. I mean... Um, he, also, he, he, there was, like, a Doctor Who special where he, he... It was the one and only thing that he played one of the reincarnations of Doctor Who in... He's and also he was uh, the best one. He's also Ollivander in uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, what else did he do? He's done a lot of stuff. He was. In, let's not forget Alien. Yeah. Yep. He was the one that got chestburstered. Uh, yeah. He was the Elephant Man. But uh, I mean, specifically, like towards the towards oh, the I, end of his yeah, life. No um. Wasn't he? Because there was there was one other like weird one. I think was he in Star Wars. Uh, I don't know. I feel like he was. He was in Snowpiercer. He wasn't Snowpiercer. He was the guy. He was not in Star Wars. I don't know why I thought he would be in Star Wars. Unless he was in the prequels. Oh, Hellboy. He was Hellboy's dad. He was in uh, V for Vendetta as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was the bad boy in V for Vendetta. Someday I want to do, like, probably with you and Nick, I want to do, like, a deep dive review on V for Vendetta because I have a lot of problems with that movie and I need you to hear about them. See, I would rather not because I don't ever want to revisit that movie. (laughs) I need to find somebody who likes that movie. And thinks that it's a classic so that I can uh, make them change their mind. Uh, Con Craig into doing a podcast somehow. (laughs) Yeah, let's uh, let's get the fuck out of here. Sure. Uh, Next week on the show, we're doing the Mindy Kaling series. Never have I ever. Uh, I was like, wait, what? Uh, And then uh, a patron review courtesy of uh, new father, Bill Sutton. We're watching The Dirty Dozen. Uh, starring Charles Bronson. That's the only actor you need to know about in in that movie. I don't know. Any, I'm sure there's others, but Charles Bronson's in it. Hey, buddy, you gonna eat that sausage? You ain't gonna eat it. No one is. <laughs> you believe in Jesus? You're Wait, gonna meet him. <laughs> hey, what's the problem it's with the car. car? What's the problem? <laughs> Get the fuck out of my face, man! We're stealing the fucking car. What's it to you? It's my car. Now, now you're going to die. die. <laughs> uh, that scene. Oh, shit. That's, 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 that scene's too perfect. I wish I could convince Ashley into watching Death, Death Wish 3, but she fucking hates Charles Bronson. So it, we watched another canon movie this week. We watched uh, Invasion USA starring Chuck Norris, a.k.a. The Vacuum of Charisma. He is, he is just awful. That movie is very boring and very bad until the last 45 minutes where it's nothing but gunfire for 45 minutes. It's kind of insane. That's my review of Invasion USA. Uh, Caleb, tell them where they can find us. Netflixandswill.com, your one-stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill related. That's correct. A uh, couple things. I was on Epic Film Guys to talk about Dolomite. The movie Dolomite with Nick uh, for its 45th anniversary. Uh, we were on 
Movie Marathoners podcast with Marty uh, to talk about Extraction again. We talked more about Extraction, and uh, I gave a very impassioned speech about B-movies and how everyone should watch B-movies. And uh, eventually, at some point, I'm not sure when it comes out, but I will be on someone's favorite movie podcast discussing Death Spa and Killer Workout. Classics. Classic movies. <laughs> so yeah, that's, uh, that's it. All right. Awesome. Well, until next week, this is Caleb saying I'm a teacher, but only part-time. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.